Welcome to the Positive Productivity Podcast, episode 430. The Positive Productivity Podcast was created to empower entrepreneurs to achieve and appreciate personal and professional success. I'm your host, Kim Sutton, and if you're ready, let's jump into today's episode. Welcome back to another episode of Positive Productivity. This is your host, Kim Sutton, and I'm so happy to have you here today. And I'm thrilled to introduce our guest, Muddy Vaccaro. Muddy is the founder of Muddy Megabytes. And Muddy, I just want to throw it right over to you right away so that you can introduce yourself in your words, because I found that every person's journey is so personal and you can explain what you do and where you've come from and the journey that you've been on better than I could possibly and with much more emotion. Okay, great. Actually, let me tell you a little story about how I became muddy. Please. Yeah, a lot of people ask me this question. So I come from a very large Italian family and my official birth name is Maria. But my dad would call me, especially growing up on the, the suburbs of Chicago, uh, when it was time to come in for the day. Remember when your parents used to just scream out the window and say, time to come in, time for dinner. My dad would call me and he would say, muddy, 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 <laughs> in his like really broken accent, his Italian accent. So over the years, it developed into being Maria, being muddy to being muddy. So it kind of evolved into my kind of super persona. I think about all the things growing up that my dreams, my hopes and stuff. So I kind of use that for my platform, which is really something I've just been starting the last couple of years. It's been a, I call it a work in progress for 20 years, but my kind of platform is I grew up, like I said, in the suburbs of Chicago and I always had uh, entrepreneurial, like, dreams and aspirations. I was the kid on the corner that had the lemonade stand, except I figured couldn't make too much money with just lemonade. So I'd have my mom make me some Italian cookies and I'd sell those as an upsell. <laughs> so I always had that in my kind of in my spirit. So within the last 20 years, I kind of developed an administrative professional area of expertise. I began my career in the early 1990s. I started as a receptionist and then an office assistant and then a data entry clerk. I've held every position there is in the administrative world. And probably since my son was born almost uh, 19, 20 years ago, I always loved technology. So as the years have gone by, I just melded these two areas that I really, really loved, business, administrative services, and all things technical and developed a, a platform called Muddy Megabytes. And so it was my nickname and the fact that with a megabyte of information, what could you possibly do? You could be an expert on anything. So I have my hands in a bunch of different little areas, but they all have to do with the administrative side of business and how it's so vital to make companies really successful. So that's just a little bit about me. Well, thank you for that awesome introduction. I started my business six years ago as a virtual assistant after being an interior architect for a decade plus. And I didn't know a thing about all things technical when I started. So I love that you said that 
because now, six years later, I truly understand what you mean. But you're coming at it from a different angle than I go at it now. I'd love to know what you see as being the biggest technical oversight that you see your clients facing. Like, what are they ignoring that they really shouldn't? You know what? I think it's not the point that they're ignoring. I think it's that there's so much noise, so much software, there's so many tools. They're, it's kind of like they're playing in 10 different sandboxes and they're not sure where they should be and what kind of you know, platform they should be on, whether it's an Outlook or Gmail. I mean, just something as simple as that. A lot of my clients have, they're so fragmented. They're like doing a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And they're really losing out on the productivity part, you know, being having a, having a process. And that's what I hope to bring to the table for them is to say, let's streamline this. Let's cut out all this like crazy noise because every single day there's another piece of software, a new tool or Google comes out with something new. So it's a lot to digest on a day-to-day basis. So I don't think that they're actually ignoring it. They're trying to embrace it. But I think there's so much talk out there of where they should be that they actually do a disservice to themselves because they're losing efficiency or productivity in, in the process. Oh, my gosh, yes. I'm thinking about my kids when you're saying this, because there's no way that I can hug all my children at the same time, right? I just can't wrap my arms around it all. And even my youngest three, this morning, they woke up hellishly early. That's the best way I can say it. And they all climbed into my bed and one of them was balancing on my back. Don't ask me why. And all of a sudden I felt the slip and then I heard the thump. And that's the same as in our business when we're trying to wrap our arms around too much, we lose grip. I found just this year that I needed to unsubscribe from about 18 gazillion newsletters and promotional lists that I was on. And so now I wake up every morning to maybe 20 emails instead of 150 new. I mean, it still goes out of control if I don't keep it or if my team doesn't keep it under control. But I at least know that the emails that are hitting my box for the most part except for when I get those annoying additions to lists when I accept new LinkedIn connections. Listeners, don't do that. I can maintain control and I don't get distracted by shiny object syndrome. I don't think that I need this and that and every single new thing. And it saved my bank account just by not trying to do too much. Finally. I mean, how many of your clients' inboxes have you seen where there's like 10,000 plus emails new on red? I just had this conversation with a brand new client I onboarded within this last week. And I asked how many, you know, it's kind of one of my like introductory, let's get to find out exactly what you're doing and how you're spending your day and where's your time being consumed. And the majority, I'd say 99% of all new clients that I take on or have a discovery call with, their inboxes are flooded with, we're not talking a couple hundred, we're talking about thousands, tens of thousands of emails. And I try and introduce the inbox zero um, methodology. Yes. Yeah. About taking action and then actually processing your email. So I use this great analogy with my clients and things that I uh, share with other professionals that I'm trying to, you know, kind of get the word out is imagine it's like you're going to the mailbox, you know, your regular mailbox outside your house 
and you go there and you just open the door and you look inside and then you close it again. And then it just accumulates and accumulates. Well, those bills are not going to get paid. Those notices are not going to get read. So just quote unquote checking email, that's so the wrong way to do it. You got to process it just like mail coming into your house. Absolutely. One of the things that's really helping me is, well, I use Google Suite for my business. Mm-hmm. It took me way too long, personally. Or, okay, I'm just going to put this out there. Listeners, you can give me your feedback and let me know what you think on the show notes at thekimsutton.com forward slash pp430. But I think that every business owner should be using Google Suites. That's just my opinion. Again, but I'd love to hear what you think. But I ended up setting a, a custom background on my email. I want to see the background. And the only way I'm going to see it is if I'm at inbox zero. Yes. And it's, I have 195 total emails in my box right now, which is irritating. Like not. Probably you nuts, right? <laughs> yeah, it really yeah. is. But I have a plan. Like I, I actually just talked to somebody yesterday who that is their thing. That's what they love to do is get the inbox to inbox zero. And I've realized, I mean, I have another team member who is helping me, but she's also doing 18,000 other things for me. So let's keep you doing what you're awesome at. You know who you are. You're listening right now. And let's get somebody who like that is their passion to get my inbox and keep it at zero. And I told this person, I said, if you see something that I don't need to be doing, but you know who on the team can do it, I don't want to hear about it. I said, go into teamwork, assign it to that person, and I'll see if it gets done. But I don't need to be doing every single request that comes into my inbox. And that's why it's there right now is because I've been at 100% implementation and client care for the past six years. And I don't need to be that person anymore. There's those activities that I love to do. But let's just be real. I don't need to be doing bookkeeping and invoicing and all the client implementation and everything anymore because the business isn't going to grow if that's how I'm doing it. And I think so many of us just get stuck because we are trying to do it all. Oh, yes, absolutely. Well, that's one of the fundamental ideas of Inbox Zero is the one of them is deep, is delegate. So if it's not a task for you, then who is responsible? Whether it is a team member, someone you've hired, your husband, your children, something Sometimes not everything is totally on you and a part of just not only business processes, but life processes is like, okay, who's the delegation? Who's the point person on this? Oh my gosh. Do you have any secrets for husband delegation? Oh. Successful husband delegation? I have to say, uh, just a side note too, is my husband has been... You know, obviously, husband, partner, business partner. He's always been super supportive. I mean, anybody listening who is an entrepreneur and has a spouse or a significant other that acknowledges their entrepreneurial counterpart is a blessing because I have to say, I probably drive my husband pretty crazy with all my ideas, you know? Do you have chronic idea disorder too? I do. And I have to say, that is, my husband has been probably one of the bedrocks of helping me figure out or hone down the ideas because he'll tell me all the time, I'll come to him and I'll be like, oh my God, I have this great idea, blah, 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 and I'll just spill it all out. And then he'll go, I like that idea, 
that's a great idea, but which garden do you want to grow today, Maria? Which garden is going to get the water? Because there's only so much resources that you could give. So I'd say the probably the best husband delegation kind of thing I could say is have a deep, meaningful conversation with your significant other and say, this is where I go crazy. This is where I spin out and help me reel me back in. You know, like he loves my creativity. He loves my business entrepreneurial spirit. But it's just a real conversation to say, if you help me stay focused, then I can accomplish what I want to accomplish. You know, so it really goes down to having telling them, I hate to say that, but it's the truth, telling them what you need. Yeah. <laughs> well, I love my husband a bit. He is not involved in my business except for chief emotional support officer. Okay. He's a video game designer and developer, and he also has chronic idea disorder. I'm trying to get him to concentrate on one game idea at a time and get that game out to the masses and being played and all such. But I told him about a month ago, I was like, I can't be doing all the grocery shopping. Like, because right. when he goes to the store, he picks up one day. When I go to the grocery store, I pick up a week, right? Like, well, he picks up one day plus like 65 other items that we didn't need in the first place. Like, so I can't be doing grocery shopping, paying all the bills, organizing all the doctor appointments. Like, I can't be doing it all. So I gave him the early enrollment form for our daughter who is going to be starting kindergarten early this fall. She's just so amazingly smart. She misses the cutoff by like 20 days. So we're just getting her in there. I was like, sweetie, I need you to fill this out. Right now, I just don't have time. That was three weeks ago. I found it on his desk under a pile of paperwork like yesterday. And I just looked and raised an eyebrow and I said, can I have that? <laughs> because if I leave it up to him, she's going to be ready for sixth grade in terms yeah. of age by the time she gets enrolled in kindergarten. Maybe I just need a personal assistant that I'm not married to. Yes. <laughs> that might be helpful. Yeah. yeah. Because I think it, for years and years, I used to kind of model my, I would say, this is the honest you got truth, model my household like a business. I know that sounds weird, but I used to call it Home Incorporated. And my husband, myself, and my two kids, we were the board of directors. And we would say, okay, it's the treasury department. Who is the bill person? It's the maintenance department. Who is the maintenance person? It was just like, you know, and then when things would get out of hand and we need to regroup, and I would literally call a family board meeting. It was like, okay, it's time. Everyone sit at the kitchen table. Time for a board meeting. Let's, uh, Re, let's kind of regather and talk about strategy. <laughs> you know, it was probably the way my mind works is because I see things very structured and organized. And my kids have, through the years, have it have a love hate relationship with it, right? So it's like, okay, they see the uh, the quality of it to be able, to like, okay, mom's just trying us to get us to do chores or help us with this. And as your kids get older you know that their responsibility should be increasing, right? Because it's a whole point. Let me put out a, a viable member of society. So it's like, hey, let's learn about credit and let's learn about bill paying. Let's learn about all these kind of things because, I mean, ultimately as a parent, that's what we want our kids to be successful, whether it's at home or in business, you know, or their career of choice. So 
That is something frequently you hear in my household told. It's a, there's a board meeting being called because the president is upset <laughs> and needs to speak to all the members. Oh, my gosh. So like our pre-chat where I was being interrupted nonstop by the 12-year-old, you totally get that. I think I need to borrow that, though. I We need to have a board meeting. Yes. Because my kids are expected to do chores in return for what they want, right? And I've tried to explain to them that if I don't do the work that my clients expect of me, then I don't get paid. They don't need to know that I get retainers in advance. Okay, that's not the point. But you don't do your chores, you don't get paid. Right. And then there's that assumption that comes along with them sometimes. Well, you work at home, you're a lot more flexible. Eh, wrong. No, just because I'm here at my desk, instead of being in a cubicle out of the office, like out of the home does not mean that I'm not working. Right. How do you combat that in your own life? It's gotten easier as the kids have gotten older, but I have to say I started kind of, let's say, virtual work, not as a virtual assistant, but just either my consultancy work or my virtual assistant work, or I also have a bookkeeping firm. I started very early at um, my son, Robert, at the time was eight months old. At that time, I was a writer for a financial news network, and it was unheard of to work at home. Like It was just unheard of 20 years ago that I had a legitimate job with a legitimate company working from home, and he was only eight months old at the time. And as I think for my kids, it's been a little bit different because I think this is the majority of all I know, you know? And I had a really good conversation with my daughter a couple of months ago. We were talking to another mom who's trying to break into the virtual assistant world. And so I said, well, why don't you ask my daughter what she thinks about having your, her mom you know, work at home, basically, at least for my daughter who's 13, all of her, her life. And she said, well, the pro is I always know where my mom is. You know, that she's home and that she's available to me. And then what's the con? Oh, that my mom is always home. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, there's not that escape to say, oh, I'm a, either a latchkey kid or I'm home a couple hours, you know, by myself and stuff. So I think for my kids, because they kind of grew up in this, the sense is they know like certain things they know as they gotten older. If the door is closed, that means I'm on the call couple of little instances and now that my kids have gotten older they kind of become like my support team they'll come in and they're like do you know how many hours you've been in here like do you, have you eaten so they really help me out to stay grounded and get away from the office because it's in my house so they have really evolved in being not only obviously my kids but my little office support team like there's many times where I'll be like, okay, lunch for everyone. It's on me. You know, we're going to have an office lunch. Through the years, I tease them and I'll say, oh, Christmas office party, you know, <laughs> because they are my team. They're the ones who see me every day. They see how hard I work and they see all the ups and downs. They, they know all the, the clients going, you know, in and out. So for me, as they've gotten older, they kind of, they already get it. But when they were younger, what used to be very helpful was I just used to work in spurts and be like, okay, if it was nap time, it was work time for me. If it was going off to grandma's for a little bit, then that was one of the biggest pros of the type of work I do that I'm able to have my office at home is flexibility. Because there's a lot of pros and cons, right, Kim? 
about having a home office and you oh, just, yeah. you have to weigh them. But for all the like the trying to find clients or keeping the pipeline full or everything that is the downside of being an entrepreneur or running your own business, I always found that the positive side outweighed that. I never had to say, oh, can I have an afternoon off to go volunteer at the school or I need to take my kid to a dentist and try and finagle something with a boss. So those, when the going gets tough, I always remember, but I get that freedom to choose how I spend my day. I love that I can stream whatever music I want on my computer and I don't have to wear headphones. Yes. And nobody's going to time my restroom breaks. And I can eat whatever I want without people commenting on how it smells. (laughs) Yeah. One of my favorite things is, well, over the 25 years of doing this type of work, I always thought it was weird when your boss used to tell you to go have lunch at 12 o'clock. Well, how about if I'm not hungry at 12 o'clock? How about if I want to eat at 1.30? But that wasn't conducive to their schedule. So I love that I can go eat a snack or have my lunch whenever I feel I'm hungry, not set in a boundary of the time that's acceptable to take a break. Absolutely. That makes me think actually back to when I was a child. My mom used to tell us at 8 o'clock every single night, even when we were older teenagers, like high school, it's bedtime, go to bed. My sister and I would just look at each other like, seriously? We're like, it's eight o'clock, mom. She's like, I know, but I'm tired. Go to bed. Yeah. It's because it was her day. It was time for her day to be over. <laughs> yes. Yes. I totally understand it now. Don't get me wrong, people. I, I totally get it. I wish I could tell my children at eight o'clock sometimes, go to bed. I am tired. And shut up, too, because I'm tired of listening to you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's when you want to punch out being a mom. It's like, okay, my day is over. I'd like to punch out. I used to have an equivalency. I still do it sometimes now where we'll make dinner. Kitchen is clean. I'll go do a little bit of work afterwards because I tend to get my creative juices at night, which is not always that conducive. But Do you? Yeah, yeah. I tried so many years to be the morning person. But it's just like all these ideas flood into me towards the evening when it gets dark. And so I'll like the kitchen is clean, everything is done, and I'll just literally shut the light off and like kitchen is closed. No more meals are being served. My twelve year old came in last night and asked me, How do I make eggs? And I think he was actually trying to say, Mom, will you get up and make me some eggs? Right. On his behalf, he had soccer practice last night and it was about ninety eight degrees outside. So when he came home from that, he was not hungry. And that was about 8.39. And I've learned, do not send him to soccer practice in 90 degree heat with dinner in his belly. Nobody wants to see that. Right. So it's like 10.45. He's like, how do I make eggs? It's like, oh. (laughs) So I walked him through and he learned how to make it. Because to me, the kitchen was closed. I mean, the kitchen is always closed because I burn food constantly. I don't know how this kid did it. He took my instructions and made unburned, unbrowned scrambled eggs. But from everything from what they do in my business to help me to teaching them stuff around the house so that they can earn their allowance or whatever. I feel like, in my opinion, being a work at home entrepreneur is like preparing them to be more sustainable adults. I don't know if sustainable is self-sustaining. 
Yeah. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Yeah. I call like, hey, let's be a contributing member to society here. Absolutely. Like, we don't have a dishwasher in our house besides the 15 year old that's called Jacob. <laughs> we don't do Whirlpool. And Robert is like the laundry guy. And it doesn't take a whole lot of time, but just like in anything else in our life, if we're multitasking, then that chore is going to take all day. So just get your chore done. But the one that's doing laundry, obviously, his needs to take a little bit. Oh, he needs to go down and cycle it every hour in which he wants to complain. I'm like, look, would you rather stand in the kitchen for an hour getting it done? Or do you want to go down once every hour and just cycle a load? He's like, oh. But we had to figure out how to make it work. What does your team look like? I know you, you have your husband portion of your team, but do you have a larger team besides the two of you? Right now, I do not. What I do have is I kind of have some mentoring. Let's call them mentoring interns. There's a couple of things that I'm trying to be kind of working out and developing. So I have two great ladies that have been kind of following along my path and I've been trying to give them some mentoring at the same time. So not really uh, like a quasi coaching program that I've been trying to pilot. So, but my day to day stuff, besides my husband, he, it's really me. And then besides my kids that now that have gotten older, there are certain tasks that I'll ask them to, you know, help on. And I actually um, tease them on to, I pay in gift cards. <laughs> so that's awesome. My kids would love if I would do that. Yeah, I pay in iTunes gift cards or depending on what kind of gift card that they're looking for. But whether it's data entry or stuff that I know that they totally they can handle with some instruction. And I show them, log in here, take this piece of paper, enter this information, stuff like that. For a couple of my friends would be like, oh, my God, you have like slave labor. I'm like, no, I pay them. I pay them a fair wage. I said, and I really think for not only life skills, I think it's something beneficial because I don't know one career that you don't need to know these fundamental things of like data entry or answering emails or, you know, stuff like that. So I never give him anything that's totally like blown out of the water and stuff, but especially my 20 year old that's getting into he's in his second year of college. It's like, buddy, you better learn how to process your email because all your professors are answering you this way and stuff like that. So I kind of try and find it like a life skill. It's a life slash business skill, something that they're going to eventually learn. Because for me as a business entrepreneur, it's like, oh, my God, can I possibly send my kids out there and they don't know how to do some basic functions of business? For me, I would feel like that was something I should have imparted on them. Oh, absolutely. One of the struggles that I had with my 15-year-old this past school year was that He wasn't being honest about if he had homework or not because he wanted to play on his computer. Yeah. So he would lie that he didn't have his homework so that he could play his video games. And he's so smart. He's in honors classes. But sometimes the logical doesn't meet the other side. Right. I don't know what to call the other side. So he got caught because he didn't complete assignments. And I feel sorry for my kids in a way because... We get updates on their grades digitally now, whereas I had five to ten weeks before my parents would find out (laughs) and I could make up for it. But it's like flash up on our phones. Child got an F on this assignment. It's like, 
uh, hold up. What assignment? It's like, child, what part of just not doing this assignment did you think was actually going to get you to the next level? Because, number one, you lied about it. Number two, you got an F. You're in high school now. Like, how's this going to help you proceed to the next level, whether that be college or not? And again, I use that same example. If I don't do the work for my clients, then I don't get paid. So is this going to work when you get a job, when you get out of, out of college or out of high school or even now? Because we're not buying you a car if you can't do your homework. And he just sort of stares yeah. at us. Uh, no. Yeah. I say that all the time. It's like, how can I give you the responsibility of a two-ton vehicle? Exactly. My husband says the same thing. Yeah. If you can't take care of this piece of paper that needs to be filled out for school and a little bit different too, as my son progressed into college was like, listen, this is your, you know, quote unquote work. This is your life's work right now is education. So you have to put the same gusto into it that you would a job. So your professor is not going to pay you, right? But your professor is going to reward you with a grade that shows you this is your best efforts. This is what you put in. This is what you get out. And I used to have very deep conversations with my son about college. And now my daughter that included in this conversation is that my philosophy has always been for education is so important, whether it's formal education or teaching yourself something new or just going out there and having the quest for knowledge. Yeah. The thing that is important is that there's a major reason why people fall out of the formal education system, especially for college. I think one is funding because college is so crazy expensive now. And two, time management skills. Mm. Where do we get all of these freshmen that leave after their first year because they're not used to being able to take care of their own time. So they're flunking out of these classes because now they have this huge independence to take care of their own assignments because they don't have a teacher like in high school that's hounding them. Where's your work? Where's your assignment? It's a very good comparison to the type of work I do or the type of work anybody does is your boss is not constantly going to tell you, oh, this is due, this is due, this is due. They're going to say, this is what needs to be done. Now you produce. So the relationship between both of them are so, it's the purpose of getting prepared for adulthood. Oh, absolutely. Like that term paper that you have 10 weeks to do, but you wait until the last night. There's a reason why you got assigned it 10 weeks ago, child. I mean, it's just like when I'm doing a product launch with a client, I don't start working on the landing page the day before we're supposed to launch. Right. Because that would be really bad. And then this will be the last thing that I say about my kids. But I did not realize until just recently that in Ohio... Maybe it's just our car insurance company, but our car insurance gives a break for kids with good grades. The one that can technically start driving now with a permit is getting F's. He's not helping his car insurance rate. And guess who's not getting his permit because we're not going to add him until his grades improve. Yes. Like, So think about that, child, because it all goes around. It's all interconnected somehow. One of the struggles that I had in my business, and I'm just going to jump right over there was that I was trying to do way too much. So I was, well, number one, because I didn't have clear goals. And number two, because I didn't realize how important sleep was. And I was 
sleeping two to three hours a night for about a year and a half. And it got really, really bad. Like it took me to the lowest I've ever been in my life. Do you see it being a common struggle like I do in the entrepreneurial world that hustle and grind is good and people are forgetting about self-care? I think that that's one of the things that I try to instill in my business values and my business mission is that if you know the adage of if mama's not happy, no one's happy. If money is not happy and can't be productive, that I'm not going to do any good for you. So it has to be, listen, actually my nickname from my husband is the hustler. And it's not in the bad connotation. It's the fact that I will jump through hoops. I will do what is necessary. I will teach myself something that I don't know to get something accomplished. I think the bad connotation of the hustling is if I work 24-7, I will be more successful than the person who works the 20 hours or the 30 hours a week or whatever you deem your work hours are. That's a false equivalency. Just because you're working 16 hours a day and you don't eat and you don't sleep, it's not going to make you more successful than that. It's just not. I actually think it's the opposite of the productivity. Mm-hmm. If you can't be effective, you can't be productive. Oh, thank you. Yeah. That's a tweetable right there, listeners. Did you hear that? If you can't be effective, you can't be productive. I found that when I was sleeping two to three hours a night, tasks that should have taken me two hours were taking me eight. But when I flipped that, when I started sleeping eight hours a day, those tasks were only taking two hours. So I was being four times more productive minimum during the day. And I was so afraid when I started sleeping again that my income would decrease because I was not working as much. But as it turned out, it wasn't working. But my income actually quadrupled. And it's not because I was billing four times as much. It was just because the value that I was offering was more. My mind was here. While I was working, I was able to turn around in a moment's notice. I don't like multitasking, period. But I was able to be on point more often. And I will never lie and say that I'm on point any more than 50% of the time, because that would just be a lie. Like, I'm very creative. So sometimes I'm here, sometimes I'm not. (laughs) Yeah. I found that that has been one of the things that I try to, whether instill in my clients or any kind of platform that I get to speak on, is that multitasking is a lie. It is the biggest myth and lie that has been perpetuated, especially in the administrative world. If you read any typical job description, what do they have in there? A person that can multitask. I don't even think that they realize that you really don't want someone that can multitask because your brain can only focus on something at a certain time. So if you want to use the word serial tasking or background tasking, that's a better term. I'm on hold with a company, which I've done many times. I'm on hold trying to get get a hold of someone and they have me on hold for 30 minutes and I'm processing emails. That's serial tasking because the phone call doesn't need my attention at the moment because I'm on hold. But if you want me to talk to someone at the same time and answer emails, my brain can only process either the talking to the person or the processing of the emails or whatever two tasks you want to compare. But I think that's one of the fundamental things that in my platform I'm trying to, which actually coming soon, I'm going to launch a podcast too, Kim, because of your inspiration and, and 
just trying to get the word out there that some terminology needs to change and some fundamental things, especially when it comes to administrative professional services, the attitude has to change on that. We are professionals. We provide an extremely valuable service. And I think because we're digging out of a hole of thinking that I'm an octopus with eight hands and I can do eight things at the same time, you're not going to get the quality work that you want, or it's going to take five times as long. And I think that's the point that you're making is once you got the sleep and you were more focused on the task at hand, it took you less time and you were more efficient doing it and more effective doing it. Yeah. Do you want to know why my dinner gets burnt on any given night that I try to cook? Hmm. Because I'm multitasking. I have my laptop on the counter next to the stove, which is a bad idea in its own right. But dinner's going to get burnt when I get engrossed in my email. And the same happens in our business. When we are multitasking, we're ignoring one thing to focus on another. And then it just all goes to put in your own curse word there. Yeah, that's a perfect analogy. Dinner's going to get burned. Your business is going to get burned. Something's going to get burned. Like, how about the many years of hearing the what? And we're just going to say, because we're the moms, and said, you can have it all. I don't think that's true. I've been saying that for a long time. I don't think you can have it all. You can have portions of it. When my kids were younger and they needed more time from me, my my business focus was, let's say, 30%. My kids were 70%. And then it shifted as they got older because I don't need to change diapers anymore. And I don't need to prepare all the meals. So it just shifts from side to side. So I think especially of saying you can have 100% all the time, that's a disservice to somebody who's trying to juggle two buckets, whether it's professional and your home life. I want to challenge you on that. I think that you can have it all. I just think that you can't do it all. Yeah, you're right. Maybe a different terminology. You can have it all. It wouldn't be possible. Think about it like this is saying if the analogy of a burning dinner, right, is if you're spending all your time with the kids and then no time in business or vice versa, it has to be a, a balancing shift. Mm-hmm. Of course. Yeah. I mean, I want a yard that looks beautiful and I get the little sign that says, you know, I won the Green Thumb Award and I want dinners that are healthy and nutritious and I want my office or my house I was going to say just my office but let's just be serious my whole house to be clean and I want all the laundry to be done and I want my business to be growing and all the work to be getting done but I'm fully aware that number one I have a black thumb so if I want that green thumb award I have to hire somebody to do my gardening I need to hire a personal chef I should probably get a housekeeper more than just my children that I bribe And I have to grow my team because I cannot do everything in here myself, nor do I want to. I mean, I look around my office right now and it's an absolute pigsty because I swear these toys just multiply themselves like rabbits. They should not be out here. Come on, children. Realize that this is the office, not your playroom. But they still walk themselves in here, even when I'm not looking. And every day there's new sharpie or crayon decorations on the wall but despite what I tell my children I do not have eyes in the back of my head and I don't have eight arms so yeah that has been huge for me in the last 
just in the last couple of years, is allowing myself the grace to say, I can't do it all. And I'm not even going to get upset when I didn't. Like I used to get so stressed yeah. every single night knowing that this and this and this and this and this wasn't done. No, not anymore. Like yeah. actually just this week, what is it that I'm delegating? Because I'm not going to get stressed about it anymore. Yeah, that has been one of my biggest life lessons the last recent couple of years is I realized I kind of look at things a little bit differently now and I say, okay, one, can I do it myself? If I can do it myself, do I have the time to do it myself or would it be better served to delegate it to someone, whether it's another freelancer or somebody, doesn't matter who the, the delegation person is, and then be able to say, if what I'm working on, let's just say business-wise, if I'm working on something business-wise that brings me this return on investment of my time, is it better for me to actually take the helm of it and be the captain of that ship? Or is it better to say someone else come in and do it? If I'm working on something that's like a really busy project or something that's vital for a client, is I kind of look at it to say, even if I could do it myself, do I have the time and the resources you know, not to do it? And then in home life, which is very similar to business life, it's like there might be something that's a DIY, you could do it yourself, but do you really have the knowledge or the resources to do it? And maybe it's time to hire somebody that knows better that could do it better than you. And that's a big thing you need to kind of let go, especially in business, is say, if there's someone that knows it better and faster and can cut the knowledge curve, you should try and either delegate to that person or find the resources that will help you. Absolutely. Just because I can build a WordPress website doesn't mean I should, right? Right, exactly. Because I can build a WordPress website, but maybe I can find someone who could just do it just as best as I can so that my talents are used somewhere else. Absolutely. And I've been talking about her on the podcast for the last couple of months, and now it's actually her husband too. But last um, August, September, October, maybe even November, I was doing all my own podcast editing myself. And I looked back at the end of those three or four months in mortification because, well, Christmas was approaching and my bank account was empty. And it was because I had been spending 75 plus hours a month editing podcast episodes instead of working on client work right? and knowing what my billable rate was. I was like, you don't like, just think about all the money that you could have made listeners. You know, I'm not chasing income, but let's just be smart here. This is not positive productivity to be doing my own podcast editing myself. And then I hired Lang and now her husband is working with her too. And they're doing it all for me. So the only thing I have to do on my podcast now is record it and upload it at Shopbox because I haven't figured out how to automate that yet. But the amount of freedom that that has given me in my business is just wow. Right. What are you most excited about in the next 90 days? I'm really excited. About, I'm laying the foundation work for a podcast. It's going to be called Buddy's Megaphone and just continuing to I'm at the emerging growth stage of my businesses. So whether it's to now, I'm actually probably in the next 90 days, I'm ready to take on some team members because as we mentioned earlier in the podcast, I've been a kind of one woman show in the sense of the actual work that I'm doing. 
So I'm really excited about onboarding some team members and the podcast. So those two things. And I've kind of reformulated my um, business plan. And so I have some really great, exciting things. And the best part about it, which was so tied into this podcast, was I learned for many, many years that when you come in with a positive attitude, just the rainstorm ends and the, the skies open up. And it just there's so many more possibilities. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Where can listeners connect with you online, get to know more about you and reach out? I actually have a couple of platforms, but they can check me out at moneymegabytes.com and my bookkeeping firm, which is called megabytesbookkeeping.com. So you can hit me up both there on those two platforms. And I'm a big LinkedIn user. I love chatting. That's one of my favorite things to do. If all day all I could do is just talk to other people, I'd be happy camper. (laughs) So I encourage any of our listeners to connect with me on LinkedIn at Muddy Vaccaro and let's start a conversation. Listeners, there will be a link to Muddy's website as well as her LinkedIn profile and the bookkeeping website at thekimsutton.com forward slash PP430. Muddy, I've enjoyed every bit of this conversation. Thank you for indulging me with kid talk, business talk, all of the above. I love that there's somebody else out there. And I know there's lots of us out there who are using our entrepreneurship lessons that we've learned to help our children become more advanced versions of themselves. And I love how you're helping other entrepreneurs as well. Oh, thank you so much, Kim. It was a pleasure. I love talking to you. Do you have a parting piece of advice or a golden nugget that you can offer to listeners? Well, you know what? Actually, I do. So part of my Money Megabytes platform is I have a motto. And my motto is be awesome. So you you know when you're always in a conversation with someone and they tell you something great or they propose something and you answer, that would be awesome. That's kind of my motto is I really try and take the positive side of an idea or a formulation of something that can be. And that my motto is I'm on board. That would be awesome. So I think that if you live every day like that, the sky's the limit. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Positive Productivity Podcast. When I'm not podcasting, I'm supporting six to seven figure business coaches with their marketing automation and entrepreneurs like you through my coaching and mastermind programs. I want to invite you to visit thekimsutton.com to learn how I can help you take your business to the next level.